Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Hey, I'm Andy Monin, and uh, some of you know me, some don't. I was at the Pickle campus for quite a few years. Uh, I was on staff there, then was uh, the campus pastor, the lead pastor, and now um, am a, a district overseer. So essentially, uh, the three campuses of the valley are part of the Church of the Nazarene, that's a tribe, uh, in, in God's kingdom. And uh, I'm over 53 churches in northwestern Ohio. So I go all the way from Michigan. You've heard of that state, I know. Be careful there. All the way down to Tip City and Indiana over to sort of Marysville area. And so all the churches in that area, uh, I kind of just do the tour and encourage and equip and, and uh, just try to help them be effective in making disciples because that's what we're called to do. Every one of us are called to be disciple makers. And if you are a disciple, that means someone who obeys Jesus and does the things that he calls us to do. If we're going to be a disciple, we also have to be a disciple maker. And one of the things that I'm excited about as I go from church to church is, is really this renewed focus on being disciple makers, on realizing that it isn't the church and the program as, as, as far as an organization, but it's each one of us living where we're at for Jesus. And as we were going, building relationships and making disciples, helping other people come to know and, and love Jesus and obey him. And that's, that's the call. So it's just been an exciting journey. And uh, one of the things I'm really excited about is that we often as a church have gone to the nations. That means we've gone to foreign lands and we've gone to different places to do mission trips. And we need to do those things to share the gospel, not just in our, our Jerusalem, not just in our, our Jesus and Samaria and, and uh, right where we live, but also to go to the, to the farthest parts of the world. But what I've been really excited to see is that God is sending the nations to us. Have you seen that? In Springfield, there's a, one of the, in fact, the largest Haitian population is right here. And uh, we have a church now uh, in Springfield that has 70 Haitians attending. Uh, they've, they've started a church within a church and they're, they're bringing the Haitian people so they can come to know Jesus. Uh, there's in Toledo area, we have the largest population of Arabs in the United States. And in fact, one of the pastors there, his son comes home with a piece of paper and on that piece of paper is English and everything else, half of it's in Arabic. See, the nations have come to us and we have what an opportunity to share the gospel. This is a whole new world that we live in and uh, can be scary at times. And yet, this is, a, this is the world we live in. This is what God is doing. This is a, a new time. And uh, we have never had more of an opportunity to, uh, to make an impact for Jesus than we do in this day. And God is raising up leaders. And I'm going to challenge you as, uh, as we think about 2024. I'm going to challenge you that God is raising up leaders to share the gospel and to be disciple makers. And he may be raising you up for a higher level of leadership. I've seen it as I travel all this area in northwestern Ohio, and I go from church to church. God's raising up a new army of leaders, people in the church and outside the church, people who, who God is calling to be pastors and, uh, and of all ages, not just one age. So I want to challenge you to begin to think about that. 
Maybe you've never thought of that before. I had never thought of that before. I was in my young 20s, and uh, I was sales and marketing guy. I got out of school, and uh, so I'm in my first job, and I'm making real money finally. It's not much, but it's still real money. And, and my family, okay, this kid is going to amount to something. So that's what's all happening, and uh, I remember... I remember during that time, God had called me to pastoral ministry. I'm at a church like this one, and uh, we're beginning to rediscover what God wants for our life and begin to follow him in a whole new way. You see, a lot of us, we listen to God. We, we believe that there is a God, but we aren't necessarily disciples in the sense of, are we really obeying God? Are, are we doing the things that he's called us to do? I believed God. I don't know if I wanted to obey him in every area. And, and I remember wrestling with that over a course of years. And, uh, and, and God, I knew he'd called me to pastoral ministry, but I, I, I'm making money. I got legitimacy with my family. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a, and I remember coming to the place where I said, God, you're going to have to take this job away from me if you want me to obey you. I just knew I couldn't give it up. Don't ever pray that prayer unless you're ready for it. God took that job away from me. And, uh, and it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Because here's the deal. I was afraid to do what God had called me to do. And I was dithering. I was trying to keep my foot in two worlds. And yet when I committed completely to do the thing that God wanted me to do, it led to the best 30 years of my life. See, I can't imagine having not done what I've done the last 30 years, being in the center of where God wanted me to be. It's been some hard years at times. It's been some good years. But when you are in the center of what God wants for your life, when you are doing the thing that God has called you to do, you will never be more fulfilled than when you're in the center of God's will for your life. And so if you want to discover how to make 2024 a great year, if you want to live your best life, you're going to have to get off the fence. We're going to look today um, at 1 Kings, but I, I, I first want to go to Revelation because it's interesting. Jesus, we find out in Revelation 3 that Jesus doesn't like lukewarm. Anybody here ever had a lukewarm lemonade? It just, it just isn't good. And so he tells the church, there's this church called Laodicea, and they don't have their own water supply, so they got to pipe it in. So they get cold water from Colossae, Colossae and they get hot water from Hierapolis. And, and the water flows into the city. The problem was it had to flow so far that the cold water wasn't cold by the time it got there to Colossae anymore, and the hot water was no longer hot. And so they always had a problem with lukewarm water. Now, I don't know that Jesus was all upset about lukewarm. I don't know if that was the thing he didn't like. The thing that Jesus didn't like was that hot water wasn't living out its purpose anymore. It wasn't living up to what it was supposed to do. Cold water that's not cold isn't living out its purpose. And Jesus tells the church in Laodicea this, and I, I think he was telling me, those 30 years ago, and maybe he's speaking to you today. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. 
I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're a lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus wants us to get off the fence. And he wants us to live out the purpose that he has for our lives. That's what he's really saying there. I don't want you to sit and try to straddle two worlds. You're going to have to be all in. If you want to live out 2024, if you want this year to be different, if you want to live your best life, you're going to have to get off the fence and be all in. So how do you do that? How do you do that? How, how, how do you become all in? Well, I think my own experience kind of shares a little of that, but I, I want to take you to 1 Kings. This, this is fascinating, and uh, so we'll, we'll see some of it on the screen, but uh, 1 Kings is, a, is about the prophet Elijah. He's the great prophet. He is, he is God's voice piece, and, uh, and, and one of the primary tasks Elijah has is to rid the nations of Baal worship. See, God was the one true God. But the Israelites would worship God, but they would also worship Baal, which was a false god. And it was kind of like they kept him just in case, almost a, like a, an insurance policy. If God doesn't come through, eh, we'll just turn to Baal and see how that works out for us. And one of the most pivotal moments in 1 first, in first Kings is, is when Elijah has, he, he has this contest between the 450 prophets of Baal and God. And so the 450 prophets get all day to try to get this sacrifice and this altar to catch on fire and, and, uh, and to catch flame, and they can't do it. And then about the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah prays to God, and the whole thing just consumes even the water trench around. It says, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and it also licked up the water in the trench. That's the kind of prophet we're talking about who has a, a voice with God. And so Elijah at this moment now where we come into the scene here is handing off the mantle of his leadership to Elisha who is the next one. And that's what God shows us. One of the principles he shows us is that when you walk this life, wherever you're at, you can't follow God alone. See, you need brothers and sisters, but even more than that, you're to be handing off the relationship you have with God. You're to be handing that off to someone else. Every one of us. See, see it's not just the church in a program and, a, and, and as good as those are, we should have those things. But I want you to know it is your responsibility, not someone else's, to build relationships with the nations that have come, to build relationships with your neighbor and the people around you and to begin to share the DNA of your relationship with someone else. And, and that's the mantle of leadership. You see, every one of you are leaders. Every one of you are leaders. You may not lead a, a Fortune 500 company. You may not lead a, a nonprofit. But, but every one of us can use the influence we have in our life to share it with someone else. And God is calling you to that. And Elijah is handing off the mantle of his leadership to Elisha. And uh, and, and, and Elisha shows, after, he, he goes through a, a period of struggle. He goes through that same struggle that I think I experienced when God had called me to pastoral ministry. Am I going to do it or am I not? I get a sense today that some of you are in that same place. 
God has called you to do something big and you're dithering. You're deciding whether you're going to do that thing and obey God. Maybe it's your marriage is in a bad spot and you know if you went to counseling, you could help that thing out, but you're dithering. Maybe it's a, a new opportunity in the church. God has called you to take a step forward to let them know that you can serve in that way and you've said, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. Maybe there's somebody in your neighborhood and you could be that disciple maker with them. You could be the voice of God, but you're dithering about whether you want to take that risk or not. So let's look at 1 Kings. Let's see how Elisha handles this. It said, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. The very fact that Elisha is driving 12 pair of oxen, that's 24. In that day, that signified great wealth. If you're driving 24 oxen, you've arrived. You've made it. And, and Elisha comes from a very wealthy family. And so I think there's a real struggle that when, when Elijah tells him he's going to give him the mantle of, of this, this, this prophetic office that he has, and he's going to put it on him, it's overwhelming to Elisha. And Elisha wants to keep his options open. I don't think he wants to decide. And so he thinks, well, maybe I'll just keep driving these oxen and I'll, be, I'll stay farming and every now and then I'll go help Elijah. I'll just, you know, I'll do that on the side. Maybe I can just sort of fit that into what I'm already doing. And Elisha comes to a place where he has to choose. He can put God on the front burner or he can put him on the back burner. He can have one foot over here and one foot over there. He can worship God and he also can worship maybe something else in his life. See, the reality is this. When God calls, we always have a decision to make. And today you are at a place where you have a decision to make. Am I going to put God first in my life? Am I going to do that thing that he's called me to do even though I don't see how I can do it? Or am I going to keep driving the oxen? Elijah went up to Elisha and he threw a cloak around him. The cloak was this loose kind of piece of a cloth. It was called a mantle. A mantle was, was it symbolized something. It symbolized leadership. Um, and so when Elijah did that, he's basically saying, I'm giving you this prophetic office. This is this office that I've held. And there was a weight to the mantle. I remember when I became the lead pastor of the Valley Church. Um, you know, I'd been there for, I don't know, I've been at the Valley for 28 years, so it's been a long journey. And uh, for 20 of those on staff as a pastor. And so it was about 2012 when Pastor Paul Jetter, who was the founding pastor of the Valley, retired. And the mantle of leadership was put on me. Now, mind you, I've been part of the Valley. I've been part of hundreds of services. I, I, you know, there was a comfort to all that. And yet, the strangest thing, when, when the mantle of leadership was put on my shoulders, I practically folded. I don't know what it was. There's a weight to it. And I remember our denominational leader, which stand, you know, the guy standing in my shoes before me, was there that day. And we were doing service like we've always done. And the mantle was so heavy. The weight was so heavy. I don't even know what totally changed. But I just stumbled through the service. And I know that guy had to think, now, why did we do this? There's a weight. There's a weight to the leadership. 
to the responsibility, to the call that God gives us. And so we shouldn't downplay that. We shouldn't downplay the weight of what Elisha's going to do because it's going to meet a total change. It's not just that his, that, that his responsibilities are going to change, but it's that he's going to feel a weight that God has put on him. And you will have a weight. You have that weight now. You have the weight in your marriage. You have that weight in, in leading your children, in leading your home. Maybe you have the weight in a responsibility to church, and there's a, there's a weight to that. It's not that you carry that alone. God is with us. But I want you to know there was a weight to that. And I wonder if you're feeling a weight today in some area. If you've been given a mantle of leadership, and all of us have, it's just really whether we've picked it up or not. What is that thing today? What is that thing that God has called you to? I want you to reflect on that as you think about Elisha's experience. So it's interesting. It says, Elisha left his oxen and he ran after Elijah. So Elijah puts the mantle on him and he just takes off. He doesn't wait for Elisha's answer. And Elisha's like, hey, wait a minute. I didn't even say anything. And so he, he runs after Elijah and he says this. It was interesting. He says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he says, and then I'll come with you. Delay tactic. He says, oh, hey, Elijah, I'll do it someday. Just hang on a minute. Um, let me go talk to mom and dad. Let me, I mean, what good son wouldn't go back and kiss mom and dad goodbye? Except I don't think it's just that. Jesus tells one guy who says, you know, he says this, that guy says, Lord, let me first go bury my father. What, what, what was really happening was that guy says, I'll be a disciple, I'll obey you later, but what I want to do is bury my father. In that day, what that meant was, I'm going to wait till dad dies. What if he goes before dad? I mean, we could be 20 years down the road. Delay tactic. Delayed obedience is no obedience. And so I want to encourage you today, if you want 2024 to be different, it's going to take obedience to the thing that God's called you to do. And you're, you're going to have to decide that delay tactics aren't going to be a what, part of what you do. And instead of justifying, just like Elisha tried to do with Elijah, hey, I'll, I'll do it later. Um, when it gets easier, when I get this resolved, when... Because what we're really saying is, God, I don't trust you to work the details. I, I don't think you're big enough to open the door to provide the resources, to make a way, to lift the weight off my shoulders of this responsibility so I don't fold. And Jesus said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He says, trust me. Do you not think that I'm enough? That I'm the provider and the protector? That I'm the source of all things? Do you trust me or not? And so Elisha is in a moment of decision. Some of you today are in a moment of decision about what you're going to do for 2024. Is this year going to be different or is it going to be the same old, same old? It says, so Elijah left him and went back. Look at this. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He just cut up the money. He just cut up the money. It says he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. 
And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Like he, he takes his livelihood and he cooks it and they have a party. What is Elisha doing? Elisha's going all in. You see, he can't go back anymore. He can't go back to what he used to do. And Elisha goes all in by eliminating his best other option. Just like the Israelites worshiped God, but they, they kept Baal back here, just in case we needed insurance policy. And so the question I have for you today is, what is the thing that is standing between what God has for you this year and what God has called you to do? What is that thing that's standing between what God has called you to do and where you're at now? What will keep you from finishing well? In 1519, there was a Spanish conquistador named Cortez. And he came across the Atlantic and he came to the shores of Mexico. The plan was to conquer this great region of Mexico. There were riches, gold and silver and all kinds of jewels. And so they, they, they came to the shores and he only had 600 men. Uh, there had been much greater uh, 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 groups that had come, much greater armies that had come to the shores of Mexico to conquer it, and they'd all been defeated. And here comes Cortez with only 600 people. And people thought, this guy must have a death wish. There is just no way he's going to conquer this whole vast area of Mexico with 600 men. But Cortez takes a totally different tack than everybody else before him. He comes to the shores of Mexico. He gets all his soldiers arrayed on the sand. And then he turns to the remaining few on the ships and he says, burn the boats. And the soldiers who are on the shore watch the, birds, the boats burn. You see, in that move, Cortez took away their escape plan. He took away the fallback plan and it was no longer there. And so the only way, the only way forward was through. And so Cortez did what nobody else did because he took the fallback plan away. I want you to know that's exactly what we see with Elisha. He burns, he, he, he slaughters the oxen. He burns, he burns his escape clause. And I think that's what God's calling us to do today. I wonder what that is. What is the boat that you and I need to burn today? What is it? Is it a relationship that you know isn't God's plan for you? Is it a job that you know that isn't God's plan? That, that he has something else for you? And he's calling you to make a shift? And you don't see how? Is it a hard conversation you need to have with someone? And God is just calling you to have the courage. Is there a leadership role that God has called you to? And you say, well, I can't lead. I don't know who's going to follow me. And so we hold back to the, to the escape clauses. We, we keep the all options open. When God has said, I want you to burn the boats, 
I want you to be all in. He wants you to have a commitment strategy, not an exit strategy. Paul, the great missionary to the New Testament church, writes this. He says, I've got no alternative to God's plan. This is the great missionary who, who plants all the New Testament churches that, for the most part, that we know of, who is this great missionary. And he says this. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's time to burn the boats and jettison the exit strategy of 2024 is gonna be different than all the other years you've done. See, the turning point comes when we burn the boats. It wasn't uh, when I was that young 20s, I remember there was a time of service like this and I'm, I'm there and I remember God had called me to pastoral ministry, but I'm struggling. I'm, I don't want to give up the legitimacy of this job and the security of that. And, and yet I know God's called me to pastoral ministry. I don't even know what that means. And, and I remember like not wanting to do it. And I thought, what if he sends me to Africa? You know, if I say yes to God, he might send me to Africa. By the way, somebody just invited me to go to Africa. So I might get to go. <laughs> I didn't want to go, but I do now. <laughs> God is good like that. And you know, in that service, I remember distinctly him, him telling me, asking me, Andy, will you give me a blank check? Will you give me a blank check of your life? And I didn't want to do that because I was afraid what he'd ask. Are you afraid? You know, it was the strangest thing. It wasn't, um, it, was, it was during this whole time of, of this election to the district superintendent role of our tribe. And, and uh, I remember, and I didn't want to do it. I don't want to be a deal. I want to, I love the valley. <laughs> You're my people. I mean, this is where I'm, I don't want to go anywhere. This is what I love doing. I remember very distinctly God asking me if I'd still give him a blank check. And then, then I knew it was over. In a sense of, I knew the struggle was over because I could either obey him or I could do my own thing. And I didn't want to live a lukewarm life. I don't want to be halfway between. You see, cold water that's not cold isn't any good. It doesn't live out its purpose. Hot water is supposed to be hot. It's lukewarm isn't living out its purpose. And my question for you this year is, do you want to live a lukewarm life? Do you, do you want to live out the very purpose that God has called you to? Or do you want to stay in the middle and straddle both sides? I, I, want, to, I want to share a, a passage with you that God shared with me. Maybe that will help you in this moment. Because I'm challenging you to not stay where you're at. God is always calling us somewhere. And I don't know if it's to heal your marriage. I don't know if it's to be a better parent. I don't know if it's to serve in your neighborhood in some way, to build a relationship with some people that you've, you've not discipled yet, you've kind of, maybe it's a role in the church, maybe it's the pastoral ministry, and you know, you're like me, like you were scared of it. Do you know that the, 
that I can't imagine having done anything else these last 30 years, that, that I would have missed the best that God had for me. And, and honestly, I, I know that when you're disobedient, sometimes it doesn't go the way you want. In fact, oftentimes you slip the wrong way. And, and I want you to know that you may be missing the very best for, God, for God's purpose for your life. And so there's a, there's a passage in Romans 12. Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. That's what Elisha did. It, it was his will, his emotions, his attitude, his, his desires. He, he offered that to God. And, and that's what Paul says. I, I, I offer that to you because that's my true act of worship. And look what happens. Look, look what happens. Romans 12, 2. I, I've always focused on 12, 1, but you know there's a verse after 12, 1. It's called Romans 12, 2. And it says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And look at this. I don't want you to miss this. Then. There's that word. Then. You see, not until you say, God, I'm all in. Not until you burn the boat and get rid of the escape plan, do you really discover what God has for your life? Because he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, if you want to live out, and when you test God's will, that means you're going to live it out. So if you want to live out God's will, if you want to experience his best in 2024, you're going to have to to take all you are and put it in his hands. So I want you to stand right where you're at if you would do that today. And I, I'd like, if you, if you would, if you just hold out your hands with me. This is what I do daily because it reminds me that while I made a commitment to him and signed a blank check in one day, every day, I'm right back there recommitting. And so you can close your eyes, open them, look up to heaven, whatever you need to do. But I want you to start putting things in your hands. Would you do that? Would you put your will? Your will means you're right. Somebody asked me, hey, do you really want to be a DS? Just tell them no. I said, I can't because I already made that decision a long time ago that I got, gave God a blank check. It's not up to me. If it was up to me, I'd stay faster at the valley. But that's not up to me. So put your will in your hands. Would you put your desires, what you want, in your hands? Would you put your attitude? Would you put your family, your finances, all those things? What is it that you put in your hands? And what you're really saying is now I want you to just turn it over and put it into God's hands. Picture that you're putting it into his hands. And that means what you want to do, where you want to go, because you trust him enough that you can turn your hands over and give it to him and say, God, I'm getting rid of the escape clause, the exit strategy. I'm burning the boat today. Because I know I've been hanging on to this job or these finances. I've been hanging on to this bitterness and I need to let that go. I've been hanging on to being right I need to burn that boat so you can use me in the way that you want to use me. What you've done is, if you've you've made that decision today, you're signing a blank check over to him. God, you fill in what this is for. 
how you want to use me, but I've signed my complete life to you. You know, what's crazy is God doesn't call you out of the place you're in often. He's going to keep you right where you're at because you're going to be of great use to him. You've already got relationships. Most of you are going to stay right where you're at, but as you are there, you're going to have a whole new mindset. You're going to trust him to be used in the place you are. Some he is going to call to new places, and it's going to be the greatest adventure of your life. So, Father, I just right now pray over this people here, over each person in this place. Father, would you help them? Would you show them that you are worthy of all glory and honor and praise? Would you show them how trustworthy you are? That you will never call them to a place you can't keep them and won't provide for them and protect them. But Father, I pray that you would open their eyes that they might see the, the fields that are harvest, the, or the harvest, the fields that are ripe, the, the harvest that is ready. That if they would obey you, that they could, they could live out their greatest purpose and be hot in cold water. That, that they could... They could be right at the edge of what you're doing in this world. That the peoples who are coming to these shores, Father, to, to our place right here in Ohio, Father, that you would use us in their lives. Father, would you give us eyes to see and would you help us to trust you? And Father, I pray whatever it is that someone is struggling here today and it's a real honest struggle when that weight of leadership comes and we push and resist against it, Father, would you help them? to turn their eyes to you and to trust you in a way that they've never trusted before. So that 2024 will be different, not just for them, but for the world around them. And Father, would you raise up new leaders in the church? Would you raise up those who would say yes to serving in the church and in their community? Father, would you raise up new pastors and people who would go into the world to share your gospel and be disciple makers and help others to be disciple makers. Father, would you, would you raise them up, whether they're young or whether they're old? Father, you're raising up a new army. Would you help them to say yes and to write that check to you and, and to know that these are the best days? Thank you, Lord, that you always keep your promise and you're good for every promise you've ever made because you are good and the things you do are good. We love you today. We just thank you, Father, for what you're going to do this year. And we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want you to go, and I want 2024 to be a new year for you. If you need some help along the journey, we're here to help. God bless you. Go and change the world. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.